We are here to uncover the good, the bad, and the ugly of the IT industry. My name is Robin Johns, and this is Convergence by Cato Networks. Tech, especially IT, has a gender issue. Even though women have come a long way in terms of the roles they're involved in, they are still underrepresented and often undervalued. Gender inequality is a pressing issue that has far-reaching societal, economic and cultural consequences. Clearly, it is touching a nerve in terms of what women need to face in a male-dominated world. So, what is holding back women in IT? On this episode, we are hosting Catherine Abbas, Cato Network's Channel Account Manager. We will talk about the gender gap in the IT industry and how to encourage decision makers to have a much needed conversation to improve the situation. Let's get started. Welcome, Catherine. Hello, Robin. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. Summertime, so lots of good sun out. How are you? Things are great. Things are great. Even better for being able to talk to you today. So I'm going to get started with maybe a soft, squishy question. But how did you get into IT? I got into IT by way of one of my college mentors. It was uh, one year after I'd graduated college, had sent me over this really inconspicuous job application and said, hey, not sure if you, you really want to be in entry sales, but this kid, his dad's hiring and it might be a good fit for you. So I filled it out and I got a call from Checkpoint Software. Did an over-the-phone interview and they asked me if I wanted to go to New York to do a two-day interview. And it turns out Checkpoint was doing a program where they brought in new people that hadn't really been exposed to tech before that they wanted to train and bring into the industry. And so, you know, just way of knowing different people and getting connected to the industry that way. And again, just interviewing and, and getting my shot to, to join technology and to get to learn. So what were you doing before this opportunity? I was doing SMB sales for Google out of college. So I'd worked in the advertising industry before, and so I was, was doing sales in that industry. So kind of just transitioned over to technology sales. How did you find that change? Because I know for a lot of people, tech sales seems a very unscalable mountain of challenges. Far too many terms, far too many concepts. And the more you know, the more you realize you have no idea whatsoever. So how did you find that? Actually, I found it really interesting to learn a lot of stuff. Yes, it felt overwhelming at first because there's acronyms or, you know, just trying to understand how technology works or how the internet works. I think at one point we had that conversation. But at the end of the day, I broke it down into metaphors and to understand if I know how this thing works and I can assimilate it to something else that I do know, it was a lot easier to understand. It's just systems. And if you can understand how something works and you can understand the value in it, then you can pick it up pretty easy. But yes, at first it was really overwhelming. A lot of acronyms, a lot of you know extra coding things. But once you define it and once you put it towards something you know, it was a lot easier to learn. Okay, I get you. I get you. you know, transitioning into any form of field is a difficult challenge or it can be a difficult challenge as you often come with the perceptions of what you know. And what you know is generally the limits of your understanding, which is why talking about women in IT is a bit difficult for me. I'm a cisgendered, heterosexual white male between the ages of 18 and 45 living in a Western culture. I am statistically the most privileged group out there. So it's very, very hard for me to actually understand the bias or the challenges faced with 
minority groups anywhere. And women, sadly, are a minority group in IT. So how have you found the entire approach of being a woman in a male-led industry? You know, honestly, I think at first I was a little intimidated, but I realized if I just educate myself and I was confident in what I was doing, it really didn't bother me. There are different challenges, you know, maybe some more, a little bit sexist challenges of you can't really control how other people see you, but you can control what you put out there and how you're perceived, right? So, I mean, I wasn't afraid to ask questions. I wasn't afraid to ask people to help me learn. I wasn't afraid to speak up with the knowledge I did have um, and be confident in what I had learned. And when I wasn't correct, you know, I was humble enough to learn what was right. It is interesting. I think I, I stopped noticing it just walking to a room and usually you are the only female, right? But I don't think about it that way. You know, I think about it as we're all IT professionals here. We all are serving a certain purpose in this meeting or, or whatever that we're doing and making sure that I'm serving that purpose and in whatever aspect it is, whether it's, it's a meeting or um, an event or anything like that. So do you think it's fear that prevent women from pursuing careers in IT? Or do you think it's a different reason? Some of it's fear. And you have to realize a lot of times, I'm not going to say women are perfectionist. However, there's been a study before where a woman will look at a job description. And if she doesn't fit every single piece of that job description, she's not going to apply. As opposed to a man could look at the same job description, only fit half of it and go ahead and have that confidence to apply. So I think there's some disconnect on how women just approach the workforce in general there. And then also, maybe that's not what we learned in school, you know, and we think that it's really complex and there's a lot of coding and, you know, it's just far above and beyond what we had learned before and that there's too much of a gap. When in all honesty, there really isn't. Again, it's just systems and how they work. And if you can understand how things work, you can understand technology, right? If you can learn how to communicate, and be able to pick up things pretty quickly and easily, then you're going to get IT. But I, I do think having less women that are in just learning computer science, learning engineering, things of that nature, because it, it might seem overwhelming and very tedious, keeps us out of, of the workforce, right? Whenever there's a lot of other routes to market and there's a lot of ways to actually learn technology nowadays. So if you were to look back on 16-year-old Cat and you time travel magically and you started to give some advice on how you could, as a young woman, get started in the world of technology, how you could start expanding your horizons to this digital landscape, what words of advice would you give? What sort of direction and narrative would you approach? Um, let me think through that a little bit, because, you know, I'm not hands on the keyboard in technology. However, I mean, I do talk to it a lot. I do explain how it works, and I under understand that. I think that looking back, you know, understanding that technology is really important. It's going to be a part of your everyday life that you should really understand how it works and how it affects you. And then the great potential to have a long career and successful career in it is, is important to understand. I honestly don't think I would have gotten into it had I not had that connection and someone kind of just saying, here's an opportunity for you, right? So I think, yeah, don't be afraid of it. It's not as complicated as you think it is. And at the end of the day, people are people. And sales is sales, right? It's based on relationships. It's based on education. You know, being a trustworthy, honest person is going to get you far in any industry that you're in. And technology is no different. Technology is not different than any other industry in that aspect. So if you're not a hands-on keyboard engineer, 
What paths, what career choices, what development opportunities do you see for women who want to progress in tech who don't really want to code? There's a lot of other aspects of tech. Maybe it's building a process within a company to make them more successful. Maybe it's a, you know, it could be a sales strategy, a marketing strategy, a product strategy. You can look at it from a higher level and understand technology that way of where it is and where it's going, how to communicate that best, how to stay on top of trends, and how to also solve problems. So maybe you aren't hands-on keyboards, right? Actually fixing or, or setting up a network, but you're going to understand maybe a bigger picture and you can speak to that or you can help a company, you know, fix some of its processes. So there's other jobs. Again, you know, right now I'm working in sales. There's also product management, right? And project management as well, to where maybe you're not hands-on keyboard, but you understand how the process is going to work. You understand how to schedule people. You understand, you know, what needs to get done. So there's other aspects, again, that you can have from another career field that will apply to technology as well. I think we get scared that technology, it seems like a beast. It seems scary. And again, it, it's really not. It's not that crazy. And the people around you, they really don't know that much more than you do at the end of the day. We're all kind of learning together. <laughs> oh, sorry to interrupt. It sounds to me like you're saying that women are better managers and leaders than men. There's probably some different studies that prove that, but uh, I don't have them on hand to show you right now. But yeah, that could be a strength for women too, right? And it just given the chance to show that and prove that is what needs to happen more, I think. So twofold. One, if you do want to get into tech and you do want to be hands-on keyboard, one, technology has advanced so much that you don't have to know every coding measure, right? There's other pieces that you learn and you can go through courses, you can go through certifications. You don't have to have necessarily a college engineering degree to get into the field. It's always great to have mentors. I know a lot of people in technology like to help teach people how to do things their way because there's a lot of different ways to do things in technology. Let me teach you. Let me show you. And you would be surprised how many men out there are willing to be mentors for females. And just taking advantage of that has been great. And then a lot of the times the men realize like, oh, women do learn this. They do get it. They have different ideas that kind of broaden the horizon of what they've been doing already. And then also, I think a lot of times some people might get caught up and your leaders are you know, whoever your best coder was or whoever your best salesperson is, not realizing that you might actually need a different skill set to have a good manager versus a, a, a great salesperson or a good manager versus the best coder you have. So there's other aspects you have to look at that aren't tied into exactly with what you're doing every day. So if you're in a room with a lot of men and the men are very nerdy, they're very techy, very geeky, they know their packets in their Python and they speak in code, do you feel like you get taken in a less serious way when having those conversations? What were your experiences? The only time I felt a less taken seriously is just when I was younger, right? Being, you know, a 23-year-old walking into a room of, of people that have been doing this for 40 plus years, I was a little intimidated. 40 is probably a lot, but, but you get the sentiment, right? However, what I did was educate myself and be humble and ask questions, right? If we're having a conversation, you know, chime in on the things that I do know is right. Don't act like I know everything, but also ask questions like, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand. What does this mean? Can you help me understand that a little bit better? That way we all can level and be on the same page and have the same conversation. So I'm not left out and they're not getting whatever help they might need from me in that meeting too. So educating myself and asking questions and being humble is how I always approached it. I never felt 
super intimidated unless someone just really did not want, you know, maybe they were in a bad mood that day. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> I'll let you into a secret. And this happens for us men as well. Often it's a very ego led driven industry. As within speaking in tech, your brains are pretty much your value and your worth, especially since working from home. The physical presence is lesser and people are more judged upon their aptitude. So when you're in an environment where people are trying to swing their mental muscle around as much as possible, sometimes it's refreshing to stand back and ask the question of, I don't really understand, or can you explain this to me? And that's something I think a lot of engineers could take away. It's not about ego. It's about understanding the problem and moving to that direction. Exactly. Just on that note real quick, Robin, uh, something I always thought was interesting is I started to learn that engineers are kind of like artists and that their artwork is however they might have set up their network or they might have set up their policies or they might have set up whatever, that there's a different way to do all of it. And that's their artwork, whatever they create. And so there were many times that I had a sales engineer that I had to, again, manage egos. Like you're saying, okay, it's the intelligent, who's smarter than who, when it's like, that's not the point of this conversation. It's let's all get on the same page and talk through what we're trying to do. So yeah, there was a lot of times I had to manage egos and be like, look, I understand that you think that they did this wrong, but you can't just go in yelling that their baby is ugly. That's not going to get us anywhere. <laughs> it all depends what your end goals are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've seen some network diagrams that look like Jackson Pollock paintings with just random splashes of paint everywhere. And people think it's beautiful until you challenge them. Then they realize what a mess they've actually got themselves into. So have you ever been in a situation where you've taken this approach, you've tried to calm level heads, but you felt like you've been talked down to or condescended in any way? So there was a, an experience early on uh, in my career, and it wasn't with a customer necessarily. It was actually an internal meeting, a business review, and had, you know, the highest level managers there, you know, three levels of managers up plus mine, you know, looking over my business between me and, and my sales engineer. And the conversation just, they, it felt like they were hammering me over and over as if I didn't know what I was talking about, or I didn't do a good enough job to the point where, I mean, I'm not proud of it. I began to cry, not emotionally, not outbreak, but you know, something you can, I couldn't stop where I had tears just coming out of my eyes, even though I was talking normal because they were so intense and it felt like they were beating me up. We ended up stopping the meeting and they came to me later and said, Hey, look, we weren't trying to attack you. We were trying to get at a point that the other person isn't helping you out. The other person isn't handling their part of the bargain. And we're sorry that that came off as we were attacking you. So I really appreciated them being honest to me, but I had to learn like there's multiple parts to this to not take it personal. And then other times whenever I have felt dumb, Robin, I will go back and educate myself. I will go find, you know, one of my colleagues or someone I can trust or a mentor and ask how could I have done this better or what are they talking about, you know, to get a better understanding of what was going on. So it's either post-education or, or realizing, you know, don't take it personal People are coming from all kinds of areas, right? You don't know what could have been setting them off and why they were acting that way. But it, it's not you. Don't take it personal. People often struggle to not take it personally. Now, one generalization that I know doesn't apply to everybody is that women are typically more emotive creatures. They actually feel things instead of being big, dumb children, smashing their head on rocks and just pretending they know everything as they go. 
So it can often be quite intimidating where you'd be presenting or you'd be challenged and you do start to feel the tears well up. So my advice to anybody listening to this podcast is if you ever come across this situation, try and remember it's not one person against another. Generally, it should be you and them against the problem. But it's quite hard to separate your own personal emotions in the moment with what's actually happening. Do you think we should be controlling emotions? Or do you think people should be taken at their face? Um, I'm sorry, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Like, should they be taken at face value or should they control their emotions or, or more how should we approach people's emotions? Is it okay to cry at work? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on the situation, right? However, you need to get it out in a healthy manner and, and not be extremely disruptive. You know, I think things happen when you got to bounce back from them. I think also, too, is men don't outwardly feel as much, right, as women do, to your point. However, their anger, their shortness, or, or whatever they're coming off as might be some other issue that they haven't, you know, it might not show up as crying. It might just show up as they're being mean to you, right? But there's something else going on with them emotionally that they're getting out that way. So I think there's different ways that emotion are, are shown. I mean, question back to you, should you yell at people at work? I don't think you should. I think you should try and stay stoic. I have been in situations where I've been stood in data centers and I've had somebody throwing a server at me, which I had to uh, briefly dodge. And I wish this was a single isolated incident because from my experience, egos, passion, anger often run high. And to your point, people are often going through things you don't see or you don't know. In an ideal world, we'll all be stoics where emotion is naught but an idea, and we're all focused just at the task at hand. But we have different types of personalities. Right. You have to give some people space to get their emotions out. I've had partners be really frustrated. And you know what? They just needed someone. They needed to call someone and yell. Like when you call customer service, look, get it all out. You curse them out, whatever. And then you stop and say, I understand it's not you. I'm sorry I took this out on you. I'm just extremely frustrated. So sometimes you just have to let people get out whatever emotion they need to get out. And then like you said, what is the issue? What can we solve? What do we have control over? I hear you. You've been passionate. I get it. It's a big deal. Let's go fix this. That's the, what's the way to do it? I mean, it's very easy for conversations to turn from professional to personal. And sometimes people don't really intend to do it. But whenever you're talking to somebody who is other, whether it be race, gender, sexuality, people have a little hesitant. So how would you advise avoiding moving to a personal conversation from a professional one? Say if somebody is doing something that you disagree with. There's going to be personal conversations in whatever work you're doing and in sales too. But if you mean more of like, maybe it's gone down a radical political conversation that, that's going to be pretty intense, or maybe they're crossing the line, right? And gone from we're having a, a sales conversation to you're asking me out to dinner, but you're not asking me out to dinner because you want to buy anything from me. You, you just want to hit on me, right? Those are two situations that you have to be aware of. And I think sometimes maybe there is space to have somewhat of a political conversation, but at the end of the day, you kind of have to just pull back and just, okay, let someone believe what they believe. And as long as you're confident in what you believe in, and just respect that and realize that you're here for something else. So just kind of pulling out of that conversation, changing it, or, or just saying, hey, look, I respect where you're coming from. Hope you respect where I'm coming from. But, you know, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. 
on the other side of it going down a more, um, you know, innuendo route, again, being a female in the industry, what I ran into, especially young, is, you know, there's this, this young girl coming in. She's talking sports. She's talking technology. I want to talk to her more. A lot of my time ended up being wasted whenever I thought I had an opportunity to actually sell something and to help this customer and had to realize like, oh no, they just, they keep taking my phone calls and they keep going to lunch with me or dinner because they want something more. That became really awkward, right? And it was, it was a little hard to deal with. So when sometimes in those situations, I would have someone else kind of be in between and really check and see, okay, is this really about the technology or are they trying to do something more personal? You know, usually I'm I'm nice, at, but decline the offer, you know, let them know like, hey, let's keep this professional, that kind of thing. I don't have it down as an art, to tell you the truth. I wish I did. I wish I was a little bit better at it when it turns personal like that. But it's a reality of something we have to work with. Sometimes I think men think that women have a little bit easier, right? Oh, you can call this person up or sales or they like you. But really what they don't understand is the minutiae we have to go through and being put in awkward situations or uncomfortable situations because it's like, yes, I want to work with this company and sell to them, but I'm not going to sacrifice my integrity and my body or my time just to get a sale. That's ridiculous. And a lot of times we find you're just wasting our time. So it's something that we continuously have to navigate. And I hope that men get better at and women get better at too. I hope so too. After all, there's not an SKU for that sort of service. You can't put onto a bill of materials. RevRec itself is out of the window, and it's unethical. So all of these are, are negativities. Yes, yes. I mean, from a, a male perspective as well, it's often, well, approaching women can sometimes be challenging because being friendly can sometimes be misconstrued as being flirtatious. So there's often that barrier that has to be tread along as well. So if you were talking to the world management team of every tech company together and all the decision makers are sat there in a big horseshoe around you and they're saying, Kat, what are we missing to allow women to pursue careers in IT? Tell us, oh, Oracle, how can we make it more approachable for people? What advice would you give? One, they need to believe in the whole point of having women in their industry to begin with. If they don't believe it, if they're just doing it for a checkbox, then it's disingenuous, right? They're going to put a Band-Aid on it. So really understanding there's so much value in having a mixed workforce. You're going to have different perspectives and different skill sets that come together, and you're going to be a better company overall. Two, I think having programs around, especially technology, understanding there's entry programs to get into this industry. You don't necessarily have to go through a four-year engineering degree but there's different courses and certifications you can take and have a mentor to help you get through this. So opening up learning avenues and going after people and giving them that opportunity to learn. That's how I got into the industry. That was really great and helpful. And then lastly, stop calling yourself a male-dominated industry. You make it seem like women are too dumb to get into it, but that's, that's not the case. There's all kinds of areas to get us into it. And IT isn't you know rocket science, no offense, just kind of lowering that barrier and stop acting like, oh, we're so much better and smarter than everyone. No, you are smart and there are certain things about it, but uh, kind of like open it up and say, look, you're welcome and let's educate and let's find the right place for you to be to, to help out, right? And, and don't just shove them in HR or shove them in marketing, right? There, there's all kinds of places that a woman, how they approach something or how they might understand something or see something 
again, to your point, maybe we're emotional and we think back, oh, how is the user going to take this? How is the business going to adopt this? And those are things that maybe men aren't thinking about all the time. Well, this is a great product. They should do it because it makes sense. You know, there's other ways to approach it. So I think they have to be committed to it. They have to open up avenues for entry, whether that's education and, and recruiting. And then, you know, it's not rocket science, right? There's still a purpose. There's still a mission. You're still a regular company. You're still trying to sell something. You're still trying to make something um, and take it to market. So just like any other company, it's not special. <laughs> <laughs> great advice. Great advice. I know my greatest consultant that I approach is my wife. And even though she's not into technology at all, I will come to her, I'll explain the problem. And then she would just slap me and say, I'm being stupid, calm down. And then just within a few seconds of discussing the problem, I'm able to level set. So different perspectives, different personalities. I think that's what really makes a company great. So if you were to go back in time again, and you were to give one piece of advice to yourself as you're starting to the, your career that you know now, what piece of advice would you give yourself? You can always learn and be confident, but be humble. Okay? Don't just because you outwardly look one way to someone doesn't mean that you have to embody everything that that is. So be confident in your knowledge as a person and be humble enough to know you can always learn more and you can be helpful that way. Right? Don't discount your knowledge. Don't discount your ability to learn. Don't discount who you are because of the way that you look. It doesn't matter. If you don't think it matters, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. Everybody you meet in this world will know something you don't. And every day you learn something new. Whether you're talking to the person selling hot dogs on the street or running a company as a CEO, everybody knows something you don't. And there's also no such thing as a stupid question, just silly answers. And we all have plenty of those. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today, Kat. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for answering some of the difficult questions. Of course. Thanks, Robin. I hope that it was helpful. Have a good one. That was all for our episode today. I hope you've come away feeling a little more educated and empowered. In case you've forgotten, I'm Robin Johns, and you've been listening to Convergence by Cato Networks. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and I'll see you next time.